Praise God. Praise the Lord. Please lift up your hands and declare him worthy of all praise. Declare him worthy of all glory. Declare him worthy of all honor. Let's declare him. You are exalted, our King, you're exalted on high. We will praise you. You are exalted, forever exalted, and we will praise your name. You are the Lord, forever your truth shall reign. Rejoice in your holy name. You are exalted, our King, you're exalted on high. Lord, we exalt you. Lord, we exalt you. You're beautiful beyond description. Lord, indeed, you are still at work in the midst of men. And we bless you. We fix our eyes upon you. And even now, our faces are enlightened. Even now, our faces are enlightened. We go from strength to strength. Every one of us that has appeared before you in Zion. We bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, tonight. Have free course in our midst. Be glorified. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm so, I'm so glad to be here. Before you sit down, can you take one song? Can you take one song? Okay. Before you sit down, I, I truly am truly glad to be here. And thank you, Pastor. And your wife, I believe, she received us graciously. Thank you so much. Amen. Would you help me celebrate my brother, Prophet Adam? Come. Oh. Hallelujah. And God is good. I came with my wife all the way from Joss. Hallelujah. When I, was, when I was sharing in our in-house meeting yesterday, I said to them, something strange began to happen to me seven, eight years ago. Of course, I keep a very busy, busy ministry schedule, apart from pastoring a church. You know, and then I was starting a year, and I was trying to set my year, and the Lord said to me, so you're waiting for who will invite you? What happens to permitting the Lord to lead you where he wants you to go? And so we came back in on Saturday, and I sat down. And I just perceived. The Lord brought, you know, one of my sons who's in Ghana very strongly in my heart. And I said to my wife, you know, this has been coming up again and again. I believe it is time for us to go to Ghana. So we shifted all of our schedule and decided to come in. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if you had asked us, we came in to see one son and his wife. That's what brought us to Ghana. 
But I said to my wife on Sunday, I said, but you know that the Lord has orchestrations. You might walk into Ghana and find out that passing somebody in the mall is what he designed for you to do. Paul laid there at night and got a Macedonian call. It was not a church invitation. It was actually the invitation of the city to the burden of the gospel of Jesus. And when he came in, he was locked in prison so that he could meet one man. And the night he met that one man, the entire region broke into the gospel. And I declare that tonight is that kind of night. For whatever reason the Lord brought us to Ghana, tonight is that kind of night. We will intercept godly portals, godly atmosphere, that they, we declare this place open, free for angelic activity. That men will come out of this place in deep encounters with the Most High God. That the Lord himself will reveal himself in the midst of men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Please take your seats. You will take the song seating. And at the point he hits you, you can stand. Amen. Is that all right? Sorry, just musicians laughing. So wonderful beyond compare, ageless Father, Holy King, forever you are God by yourself. You are wisdom, love, and righteousness. We join the heavens to proclaim. Glory to the Father of love. Wonderful beyond compare. Ageless Father, Holy King. Forever you are God by yourself. You are wisdom, love, and righteousness. We join the heavens to proclaim. Glory to the Father of love. Can you try it? Wonderful beyond compare. Say. Wonderful beyond Ageless compare. Father, Holy King. Forever you are God by yourself. You are God by yourself. Wisdom, love, and righteousness. Wisdom, love, and righteousness. We join the heavens. Join the heavens. Glory to the Father of love. Can you try it again? Wonderful beyond compare. Ageless Father, Holy King. Forever you are God. You are God by yourself. Wisdom, love, and righteousness. Wisdom, love, and righteousness. We join the heavens to proclaim. Glory to the Father of love. One more time. You're wonderful beyond compare. Ageless Father, Holy King. Forever you are God. You are God by yourself. Wisdom, love, and righteousness. We join the heavens. Glory to the Father. 
Try it again. Wonderful beyond compare. Wonderful beyond. Ageless Father. Father, Holy King. Forever you are God by yourself. You are wisdom, love, and righteousness. We join the heavens to proclaim glory to the Let me hear the crowd. Wonderful beyond compare. Forever you are God. You are wisdom, love, and righteousness. Forever we proclaim glory. Try it again. Wonderful beyond compare. Ageless Father, Holy King. Forever you are God. Are God by yourself, wisdom, love, and righteousness. We join the heavens to proclaim glory to the Father. Second part says, You're the Father of love, Father of love. Father of love, Father of love, try it, say Father of love, Father of love, Father of love, say
when I walk with you. I see glory every time I spend with you. Lord, I see the fire that is living in your eyes. It's the fire of your love. It's the fire of your love. There is power when I walk with you. I see glory every time I spend with you. Lord, I see the fire that is living in your eyes. It's the fire of your love. It's the fire of your love. Oh, there is power when I walk with you. I see glory every time I spend with you. Lord, I see the fire that is living in your eyes. It's the fire of your love. 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 It's a 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 fire of It's a fire of Lord tonight bring us to the fire that kindles fire of your love. We give you the praise. Please take your seats in his presence. He's worthy of the praise and the glory. And I want to give you a story tonight. A story in scripture. Please follow me on this journey tonight. Listen. When God made man pastor from the very beginning God was looking for an extension where he can outpour and see the beauty of everything that he is in another. Now, let me help you understand the structure of the throne room. If you understand the structure of the throne room, you'll understand that God, from the very beginning, set around himself a system that makes him accountable to himself. So the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that he does everything after the counsel of his own will. It means that the heavenly father, who is the center of all lights, the Bible says in him there's no variableness, neither are there shadows of turnings. The father who is the center of all lights set a system around himself in heaven by himself. We call them the living creatures. Every time they worshipped God, they revealed to us what was happening within God. So that their declaration of holy is actually a manifestation of a new dimension of God that they have seen. Let me not move too fast. So God sets a throne around himself. And the throne has got four living creatures. We, we can't explain that fully tonight. But follow me. Ezekiel chapter 1 and 2, when you get back home, it will help you understand this. So four beasts 
stand around him and then the meeting of their bodies form what he sits upon that is throne. So his throne is not a seat. His throne is alive. Listen. So his throne is alive. And he, he has four natures. And the four natures more speak about the person that he is and the face of what he is doing now. So that if you look at the setup of that throne according to Revelation chapter 5, you will find out that God doesn't ever turn to do anything. So when the Bible says in him there's no variableness, neither are there shadows of turnings, what happens is that everything God ever needs to do is captured in where he is. So that when he needs to reveal himself as man, listen, ah, can, can, I, can I use four of you? Four of you, please come. One, two, three, four. Just one right in front of the pulpit, two right behind, yeah, then three, four. Yeah, come, come stand here, sir. By the left, by the right. Look at this. Look at this. It's intimacy I want to speak with you about. All right? So, this is the face of the man. The face of a lion, the face of an ox, the face of an eagle. When God wants to move in his man dimension, right? Face of a man. Now, listen to this. Here. Right here. Behind her is the face of a lion. Here is the face of an ox. Here is the face of an eagle. Look at this. So when God wants to project as man, if you look like this, you will see man, ox, lion, eagle. If you turn this way, stay there, sir. You will see man, ox, lion, eagle. If you turn this way, you will see man, lion, ox, eagle. If you come this way, you will see man, lion, ox, eagle. So that in whatever direction, that's why Ezekiel said he is carried by a wheel within a wheel. Now, the wheel within the wheel tells you that if he needs to move in this direction, one wheel takes precedence and then he goes this way. If he needs to move in the other direction, the wheel within takes precedence and he goes this way. So that in whatever direction God needs to move, he does not need to turn to move. That's how consistent he is. But look at this. These four living creatures, which are simply the only creatures that have direct access to the throne, apart from the son and those of us that the son have chosen to reveal the father to. Ah. Uh, the Bible says no man knows the son except the father. And no man knows the father except the son and he to whomsoever. The, the son chooses to reveal the father. So, at this point, the Bible says these guys have eyes within and without. And their eyes meet 
like this. It is their eyes, the eyes on their bodies that form the place from which God proceeds. Then the Bible says, night and day, they cease not to cry, holy, holy, holy. Stop. It is not a machine. That cry of holy is not automated. That cry of holy is the Bible says, every time they behold the one who sits upon the throne. Now, how often is every time? Do you understand it? Now, if you are an eye, how often will you be beholding the one on the throne? Every time. That means the moment they open their eyes, all they see is the one on the throne. And every time they see him, they cry holy, declaring two things. Meaning, we have searched him within and without. And there is not an evil intention in him. No, I'll say it again. So that you can understand the God that, we are, that is calling us to intimacy. So we have searched him in and out. Beholding him again, we see that there is not a day that he has ever thought evil about anything or anybody. Number two. Every time they behold him, a new dimension of him comes out. When they see that new dimension, Holy is the cry of awe in heaven. You know how you say wow on earth? That's how heaven says holy. I, I've trained our church over the years. So that every time God is in motion in our midst, you hear people shouting holy, holy. The reason is simple. You must see certain things and know only God can orchestrate this one. He is holy. Listen, there are certain little things that are supposed to put you in awe of God. Don't miss them. If you miss the little things, the big God, you will never see him. So I stepped out feeling like to eat rice. And then somebody just called me and said, where are you? And I said, can you see me quickly? And then you walk in and the rice, the way you imagined it, you met it there. What you should shout is not wow, it's holy. Holy means the one who saw the desires inside of me that I did not even express with my mouth went ahead of me. Oh, this sun is too hot. I don't want to take the public bus today. And then while you are standing there, somebody just passed. The person didn't hear your prayer. Someone who is seated on the throne heard it. And he set a machinery in motion that caused the next person who was passing to stop and take you because a desire rose in your heart. Don't say wow, say holy. If you understand it, you will be taking chronicles of the workings of God night and day. You will not take for granted. Listen, thanksgiving will become a nature for you when you understand the holiness of God. When you understand how often God goes ahead of himself. I, I told them, I've got a sign that follows me. In a particular season, everyone who thinks of me comes with bread. I mean, everybody. So God causes eight, nine, ten people to come from you. Now, how much bread can I eat? Do you understand what I'm saying? 
How, mu how much bread can I eat? But he does it super abundantly until I stop and I say, holy. It is him who is telling me that that's your last desire for bread. So that you don't think it was coincidental. I gave you exceeding abundantly for above. Ah! Oh, we have only one night, so we need to hurry up. Listen, so their eyes meet here and they are checking him out night and day. And night and day, they have never ceased to say holy. That means the day God thinks evil here, these guys will be the first to see it. Listen, if you read Revelation chapter 5, hear this very carefully. Every time the four living creatures declare holy, the Bible says everything else in heaven responds worthy. So his holiness is what makes him worthy. Listen. So God is not God because he is God. He is God because he deserves to be God. Are you hearing me? So we just said forever you are God by yourself, right? That means he made all things. True. He is the center of all things. True. And yet, listen to me. God is not a tyrant. He starts a walk with you from the point where you have to accept that he is father until the point where you agree that nobody is more worthy to be father than he. Now, some of us grew with fathers who are fathers, but stop being father when we found the definition of father. No, somebody didn't hear me. So you were born by a father, so you cannot deny it. He's your father. But by the time you got to 10, 12, 13, and you saw what fatherhood truly meant, just by observing another person's father, You suddenly thought. Because for you, father meant that he was in charge and he could do what he wanted to do. So he comes back, you were three and a half, he comes back, he beats your mother. And who beat your mother? It's your father. He didn't stop being your father because he beat your mother. He was your father. You came from him. But when you grew older, you found out that father comes beyond coming from him. It goes into being sustained by him and extracting your values from him. Is anybody hearing me? Everyone who wakes up born of God begins to learn God naturally or becomes like God naturally. But as we arrive at wisdom, follow me, as we arrive at wisdom, we realize that God is not just father or God is not just God because he's God. God is God because when we became knowledgeable enough to define God, there was no God that could be as God as God is. It means that when you journey with God, you will have to journey from he is God because he made all things to he is God because he deserves it. No God can be better than us. So when you hear Israel say things like, for this God is our God. 
forever and ever. That one is not a compulsion that came because Abraham entered the covenant with God. It's an understanding that has come because that which Abraham established as a covenant has become a, an experience for us. So we now agree with Abraham in his choice of who Israel's God should be. And throughout the journey of the Old Testament, what you find in scripture was Israel's back and forth in their quest as to how to live. And every time they left Jehovah, listen to this, Jehovah didn't punish them. Stop. I know you have read your Bible wrongly. He's the father of love. Father of love. <laughs> He's the father of love. He's the father of love. Are you still with me tonight? Listen to me. The rule of God from the very beginning has always been, I said to you, he wanted to make an extension of himself and see the beauty of him in another creature so that he can exact his emotions on another. Listen, God is obviously partial when it comes to man. To the degree to that one of the angels now said, what is man that died mindful of him? You know, where, where men don't understand what position they carry, they envy those who see angels. Listen, in First Peter chapter 1, the Bible reveals very clearly that the school of the angels in the knowledge of the things of God is you. Yeah, we're getting closer to intimacy now. We're getting closer to it. So follow me. I said to you, God never punished Israel. Never. Never. Israel only saw the natural consequence of the choices they made. Now when you hear that God's wrath is kindled against a people, God becomes hurt when man makes decisions that hurt him. No, not that hurt God. When man makes, it, makes decisions that hurt man, because the object of God's love is man, God becomes hurt and goes into action when man sustains decisions that hurt man. One other reason why man was created was to justify the judgment of Satan, meaning to put the earth within the confines of man and set man in charge of it so that Satan can see that God can raise a being that will stay loyal to him to the very end. If you read Ezekiel's rendition, you will know that the first occupant of the earth was not man. Jeremiah described it and he showed you how demons were disembodied. How they became illegal beings upon the earth. How we arrived at the earth was without form and void. Jeremiah described the process in Jeremiah chapter 4. So when you read Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 and you hear, and the earth was without form and void. The earth was not created without form and void. The, the earth became without form and void 
Let's get out of there. So God created man to find an object where he can pour out his love. Well, secondly, he created man to justify the judgment of Satan. So that when man by choice, I just described to you by choice. I said to you, God is God whether we like that he's God or he's not God. But when we travel down and increase in wisdom and understanding, we arrive at knowing that no God can ever be God as God is God. And if you have not arrived to that point, you will find out that your faith is exceedingly shaky. Let me minister to someone right now. The reason why you can threaten God and say, Lord, if this thing doesn't work out, Lord, 2021, if you don't give me a husband. Does somebody know what I'm talking about? Lord, I prayed for this promotion. I have fasted. This is the third year I'm waiting upon you. I'm going to visit that native doctor. Lord, if you don't arise quickly. <laughs> when you see people who threaten God like that, the problem is they have not arrived. Tonight, if that is all I bring to you, then blessed are he. That it, blessed is the generation whose God is the Lord. That means there are many generations that make a choice in other gods. But when a generation arises and saying, this God is my God, what they have actually said conclusively is that there is nowhere else I can go where I can find another God like him. Listen to this. He doesn't stop being God because you chose another God. Because there is no other God that made the heavens and the earth. There is no other God that set things in motion. So he is God of all flesh, but he's father of all spirits. Listen to this. So if a man chooses a random God, it's the man's choice. It will not stop the fact that on the day the man breathes his last breath and he opens his eyes, he will find that there was actually no other God but the God he rejected. Don't stop it. What it stops is that as far as God is concerned, when he thinks about the earth, he cannot think about a man who has not made him his God. So the agenda of God cannot rest upon the shoulder of men who have not arrived at their level of reasoning to accept this God as their God. I said at the level of what? <laughs> so if your faith is still shaky, there is something that is missing. You have not arrived at the declaration, this God is my God, this God. I said to my church one day, Take away heaven. Take away hell. I have worked with him sufficiently to still choose him. If all I get from God is the way I live, he's good enough. The, the same word on the south side. So I arrived at a place where I don't serve God so that I can make heaven. I've made it. I don't serve God so no 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 when his love shows up and I will show you the highest dimension of the revelation of God is his love 
That's where intimacy comes from. That's actually where I'm going to if the night permits us. L listen. So God has never set out to punish man. Every pain you have ever had is a product of the choices you made or others made that have consequences on you. For instance, I can choose to drive roughly and have an accident with another car that is driving smoothly. So God created the earth such that we will take responsibility not only for us, but for others. Because when he was creating it, it was a ball of love he was looking at, not a ball of chaos. And if God didn't make us responsible for one another, Pastor Debs, there will be nobody to pour that love upon. So when Prof chose her for wife, what was he looking for? He was looking for a person upon whom he can pour an extension. If God made him only responsible for himself, he would never wake up thinking about his wife. This woman knows that I can lay down my life for her. I'm not talking preaching knowledge. I'm talking about experiential because she has been in situations again and again that she has seen me because intimacy demands that she knows everything about me. So I am angry when my wife asks me what's the pin for this guard. No, I'm not angry like you're angry. You know, somebody's angry. What are you doing my car? I am angry. I'm saying to her, so if something happens and I'm locked up somewhere or I'm in some kind of a situation, who is going to remind you? In fact, one of the ways I know that Satan is near is when I'm trying to hide something from her that is not a surprise. Now you will hear it in God's terms right now. So, establish this. God never punished man. Never. 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 Who down? God has never punished man before. Never. Let's start from the first time you believe God punished man. When God was angry and drove them out of the garden. Let's start from that point. Because some of you are just thinking, Adam cheated us, we'll have still been in that garden. God just got angry. And let me tell you the truth. The lie of Satan that wants to thrive today in the name of a new world order is thriving on the fact that we have too many Christians in church that have not yet settled in their hearts that God is good. Uh, <laughs> that's why Paul, uh, Peter said, is, is that first Peter? If so be that you have tasted, first Peter chapter 2, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye as lively stones have been fitted together as a spiritual house, and holy priesthood, chosen 
to offer spiritual sacrifices unto God by Christ Jesus. If you have not tasted that God is gracious, listen, after tonight's meeting, all you are going to be asking God is, give me an experience of you and a consistent remembrance. Ah, yeah. Because, ah, for many people, the problem is not an experience of God. It's a remembrance. So when the next situation comes, you don't have sufficient in your asana. Oh, I heard you quoting one of my favorite scriptures today. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Then he started in verse 2. When my enemies, even my foes, came up upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Past tense. Then he said, Though an host should encamp, my heart will not fear. On the strength of what he did in the past, I am not afraid of the future. So back in the day, we sang songs like, Because he leaves, I can face tomorrow. But you need to gather his faithfulness and put the arsenal of it in your back pocket. Because it's the absence of remembrance that causes that the moment you hear that enemies are coming up against you, then your heart is quaking. Who is going to deliver me today? No, 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 no. If you see the way he delivered you yesterday. See, we have a faulty understanding of the will of God. And because we have a faulty understanding of the will of God, we think that what he did yesterday was an accident. For we know that all things work too. Oh, is anybody getting edified tonight? We know that all things work together. That even if there's a bitter pill in the future, the only reason why God will permit it is that there's a good it is working. If it is not absolutely necessary, the Father will not permit me to pass that. You must have sufficient experience of the goodness of God and you must trust God for grace, for remembrance. Listen, so, we are the first, first scene, right? Please keep, keep, keep a picture of this stone in your heart. I've not forgotten. So God came to man and said, I'm going to set you in charge. Now you must understand that as far as the earth is concerned, every action has a consequence. And all of these trees that I have put in the garden for you are all necessary. But this one that is in the midst of the garden, it will only be necessary at a particular time. Now, don't eat it. Now you heard the true conversation between God and Adam. Because God does not create anything that is purposeless. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil had a purpose. Already, the, the angels that were falling were falling. And their judgment was sure to come, but only after man had proven to pass in what they failed in. There's a statement in scripture, it appears like three times that I know. The Bible says that he might be justified when he judges. It means that God cannot judge if there's not another standard by which to measure. 
so when satan fell the problem was that there was not another standard by which to measure so satan lost his estate and lost his place with god and yet if we were going to judge satan there had to be another standard beside him that we will use to measure so what you failed at he passed in that's part of the essence of the creation of man so god says the reason for that final tree which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is very simple it will come but its time has not yet come if you eat it before its time it will it will bring you into a state of judgment and that state of judgment was only supposed to come when you were supposed to look at lucifer in the eyes and declare his sentence Are you following? You following? Good. So when the time comes to declare sentencing for Lucifer, that tree, you can eat it. That time is not now. So for now, behave like that tree is not there. Because the moment you eat of that tree, you will enter into a state of judgment before you are done with your work. And the moment you enter that state, you will die. It means you will stop perceiving things the way I want you to perceive them now. Your innocence will be taken away. So my right to think through you will be stopped. I said so much in one statement. Let's slow, let's slow down. Let's slow down. Does it make sense to you? Okay, that last thing I said. Can I suppose that everybody understood it? Some of you have stopped answering. Like, can I suppose that everybody understood? Okay, so let me suppose that many of us didn't get it. So let's let's take it again. So if you enter into the state, because for you to judge the angels, you have to enter a state that is independent of God and look at them and declare in this and this and this and that you fail because this is the standard. That means, ah, let me say something that will bite you. That means God did not create Christians to live with the consciousness of a standard to live up to. He created them to live in liberty and enjoy every day as he sends them supply. And the supply is not just in natural provision, in thought. So, do not be afraid when they bring you to question before magistrates because in that very moment that means i don't need a preparation god doesn't want christians to live in that sense with preparation he wants a christian to wake up knowing that if a matter rises right now a judgment will be given to me from heaven and it is that judgment i will declare now what is responsible for that is what we call intimacy i'm coming Because if you are not close enough, you will not be able to hear what's in his mouth. So God set up the system like that. So that for you to live every day, you have to live close by. Listen, practically speaking, this is my babe. I have... Somebody had to shout holy. Holy. 
I've known the girl for about 20 years now. We started dating about 19 years ago. We got married, how many years ago? 14, right? 14 years ago. We got married 14 years ago. Now, she knows that she doesn't need her purse if she's with me. Uh, I'm not... If it's a lie, she will tell you, but it's okay. I won't give her the mic so she doesn't explain. Now, hear this. When she's with me, she doesn't... Do you understand it? She doesn't even need to be prim and proper. She can take cue for every circumstance while she sees... If a person is to be highly respected, when she sees the manner in which I come at him, she knows not to take a casual disposition towards this one. You understand? If I am not supportive of a thing she does, even if I say no word, she knows. The atmosphere and the energy around us changes. And at that point, if she goes on to do what is set in her heart, she knows she did it without my blessing. So all this woman needs to leave. Uh -huh. For you know the one who has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the essence is so that you may say boldly, the Lord is my helper. I am not afraid what man can do to me. Now this girl knows that whoever, even if you are a giant and you have done 38 packs, if you come against her, I'm going to look for something to hit you. If you are going to have to kill somebody, it has to be me first. Do you understand it? Those are the things that define love. There's no explanation for it. So the reason why she sticks closer by the day is the understanding of my intention towards her. Follow me. Now, don't forget that we're talking about this great God. This one. You remember this? this? Please sit down. Ma. Thank you. Now, hear yeah, ah, yeah, this. So God said to Adam, in the day you eat this fruit, in that day you will die. You will become independent in your thinking. At that point, when I speak, even me, you will try to judge me. Prof, you are the one that is making me preach in Ghana now. Does it make any sense to you? So God didn't say, in the day you eat it, I will kill you. He said, in the day you eat it, you will die. So the death is a natural consequence of your action. It's not my choice for you. The moment Adam takes it and eats it, he discovers that he's naked. Stop. Discovers. Because Adam didn't become naked when he ate it. Paul explains that mystery in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, and if so, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Now you know that nakedness is not the wearing or the lack of wearing of cloth. Okay, give us 2 Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 3. If you can give me on the board. 
Start from verse 1. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, where eternal in the heavens. Next verse. For in this we what? Grown. The word grown is a deeply spiritual word. Not tonight. Earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. Next verse. If indeed having been clothed, he didn't say we will not be naked. He said we will not be found naked. It means that the consciousness of nakedness will be taken away from us. Now let me say something that might cost you some theological war. Are you ready for that one? In 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible shows you that Adam was created perfect, but he was not created complete. It's 1 Corinthians 15 that reveals it. He said the first man was of the earth, earthy. The second and the last man was the Lord from heaven. He said the first man was made a living soul, but the last man became a life-giving spirit. It then means that there's the process that takes man from being a living soul and brings him into becoming a life-giving spirit. Aha. And that journey, Jesus the Christ perfected. So when Jesus the Christ was made, he was made a living soul, but he arrived in his journey by 30 when God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. A transition happened, that which was living soul became life-giving spirit. Now, hold on. That that when God came to Adam in the cool of the day, uh, somebody say choices. When God came to Adam in the cool of the day, and Adam enjoyed fellowship with God, Adam was changing more and more. Adam was in a transition process that was supposed to move Adam from being a living soul until he arrives at being a life-giving spirit. Sir, that is the reason why by the time Adam was falling, God made sure that he didn't have a child yet. Because God didn't even want Adam to have a child as a living soul. No, no, no. God's intention was not for him to even have a child as falling. Not, okay, in their degrees. Life-giving spirit, living soul, falling man. Because the living soul was not a fallen man. Adam was created a living soul. It was so that what Adam gives birth to will be born according to the nature of the life-giving spirit. That God, quote and unquote, delayed the process of childbearing in Eve. Because by the biology law that you know as DNA, what is born is not born according to how what gave birth to it was born. It is born according to how what gave birth to it was when it gave birth to it. Do you understand it? So 
I lived 30 years, for instance, before I had my first child. My first child didn't come according to what I was on the day my father gave birth to me. My first child came according to the picture of who I was at the point when I was delivering her to her mother. So God had hoped within his plan to give birth to man only when that which is the custodian of the seed had become complete. And when God wanted to complete that which was perfect, the only process he initiated was fellowship. Because as we behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord, we are changed. Now hear this. So Adam passed the first test, sir. Because I have... Okay. Are you still here? Are you still here? So Genesis chapter 2. You know in Genesis chapter 1, Adam was made last. But in Genesis chapter 2, Adam was made first. Genesis chapter 2. Adam was made. Then God planted a garden. Then God took the man he made and put him in the garden with the intent that he should tend and keep it. Right? Then God watched this man tend and keep it. We don't know how long it was because he wasn't growing old. He wasn't planning to die. He was alright. He was living according to an order that was eternal. So, this man was setting everything in order never thought that he needed a wife then god said it is not proper for this man to be alone let us make him a helpmate then god would have simply made a woman and brought her to the man and said behold your wife then god said okay um let us bring the animals to see what he would call them now at that point what they wanted to measure was how much he had converted into the glory of god and how much he had converted into the glory of God was what was going to determine whether he had now qualified to husband a wife. Does it make sense? So God makes the animals and brings them to Adam and the Bible said he did it to seek what Adam would call them. Stop. That means, pastor, the animals were not nameless. God had names for the animals. So he brought it to Adam to see whether the name Adam would call is the name in his heart. That means a man does not qualify to marry until he knows how to enter the heart of God and pick what is there. Because if I have to lead about a sister, I have to be sure that I'm not leading her according to my perception. I'm leading her into her destiny. Because the God who sent her to me had a plan for her. If God cannot trust that I have what it takes to access his plan concerning her, then I would only be marrying like a goat will marry another goat. 
Do I have a few brothers here? Can we pray in the spirit for two, three minutes? Let's upgrade. Does anybody understand what I mean? Lord, I, even if I am already a husband, let me see from where you see. If you are not yet a husband, blessed are ye. This is the time to say to the Lord, Lord, shift me. Shift me. Let me stop seeing like men. Lord, establish sufficient fellowship between you and I that can bring the test that establishes. So that they can roast it on the Anabata, the Kobariaka, so Separiana, Yakodi, Alas, Kadeateza, Zadoka Barago, Sonde Kibra, Haliakana, Yades, Kabaros, Kadadia, the Bate, Yakabodia, Kadabaka, Baradiana, Zeskosapana. Etuela kadoria kazeida ana igasana makakoba gadia para Lord upgrade me I want to see from where you see Sadaka rabaga koba kasiya sadate Sandeka paraskeira Sadaka rabaga kosiya darabalada Eko kasiya darabalada Sadaka rabaga I want 
Two more times. Let worship, let worship rise Lord, as I lean on to say I'm Just one more time. Say that word. now to lead an animal. Made the animals and brought them to Adam. And the Bible says, whatever Adam called them, so were their names. 
That means God already had names. But Adam accessed the names that were in the heart of God. And yet the first pronunciation, the first declaration of those names, as far as the earth realm was concerned, was not heard in the mouth of God. It was heard in the mouth of man. So that God is, is comfortable understanding that the animals receive their charge from man. That's why the fall of man implicated all nature. Because as far as all nature is concerned, the authority they know is not God, it's man. It's the reason why, listen, the moment man fell, creation knew what they were looking for. They were looking for a man in whom there was no corruption, there was no vanity. The moment creation saw that man again, they obeyed him every time he spoke. What manner of man is this? That the wind and the sea obey his voice. Everything he said to creation to do. Cast your net on the right side. And all the fish run there. So what creation is waiting for, according to Romans chapter 8, is a man in whom there is no vanity. And Second Peter chapter 1 tells you who that man is. The Bible calls us, he said, whereby God has given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, verse 4, that by these great and precious promises, we might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world too lost. So when nature sees a man, David, who has escaped corruption, nature knows him. That's why the Bible says that all creation will be led into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And yet, it is the man who has entered into the divine nature that escapes corruption. Just like Jesus. So that on the day Jesus died, Pastor, every element of nature and creation revolted against what men were doing. The sun turned his back. The earth shook. Take him away from me. He cannot die on me. All nature refused to agree with man in the crucifixion of Christ. That's why nature is still waiting in hope. And that nature is not created until Enoch walked with God. That's where intimacy comes in. So, God declared concerning Enoch, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The Bible says God was pleased with him. For before his resurrection, he had this account that he pleased God. And without faith, it would have been impossible for Enoch to please God. For when Enoch came to God, he believed that God is and that God will reward his quest. And the law of the quest is expectation. That's why many believers are in church but are never attaining the image of Christ. Their expectation is still low. They're expecting money, car, job, husband. And surely there's an end. It is the expectation of the judgment that will not be cut off. And if you know how much it is burning God, that what you are looking for is a husband. 
Because if you find him, in him you will find where the husband is. If you find him, in him you will find where the wealth is hiding. If you find him, so all the answers are in him. But you cut short your expectation into the expectation of things instead of the expectation of being conformed into his image. And it is only the expectation to be conformed into his image that gives you sufficient energy to bear the light of fellowship. You see, I will, I will close here. It's late. It's late. Because the light of fellowship with God, sir, has to be born. If it's this throne you want to approach. So we have established that God didn't punish Adam, right? When Adam ate it, he just became what the fruit determined. And it was in the love of God that God said there's one other fruit. If you eat that fruit on top of this one, it's called the fruit of the tree of life. And what that one has the power to do according to Revelation chapter 21 is that it sustains the being forever. So God said, come now, let us drive him out of the garden. Least he stretches his hand and eats of the tree of life and lives in an irre irredeemable state forever. That means that it was the love and mercy of God that drove man out of the garden. God didn't say, now we are angry. Let's show him we're angry. He says, see, the man has become like one of us. That means he too now has placed judgment on everything, including us. It was from that day man created his own perception of who God is. So the God that came to him freely every day. This day God was coming, man went to hide. He, he took a different perception of God. What was the perception? He believed that God could only come to him because he was right. But he had always been naked and God had never mentioned it. Let me shock you. And God did not create him to stay naked forever. Because God, according to scripture, there's no description of God as naked. That means God couldn't have created Adam to live naked. But Adam was supposed to, in that transition, as he keeps fellowshiping with God, understand now what it means to be clothed. And Adam wouldn't have been clothed with this kind. He will have been clothed according to the kind of what he beheld. So Adam, having ate the fruit, created a judgment about God that was not true. Then he ran to hide. How do we know it is not true? The Lord God is merciful and gracious. That means Adam would have just come that day, just as I am without trampling. But that my blood was shed for me. And God says, why are you singing? He says, Lord, I ate the tree. I discovered I'm naked, but I know you. You are merciful. You are gracious. Enoch was the first, the seventh in the line, was the first to discover how merciful God was. And God will not exact that nature upon them because they did not recognize him as that. That's what your worship does. Your worship does not make God God. It activates that dimension of God in you.
So when you say things like, For you are holy, righteous, and worthy, oh Lord. See, God does not become more holy because you said that. You suddenly discover how holy he is and you are changed into the image of what you see. So if you understand these things, blessed are ye if you rise up to do them. So Adam would have come to the compassionate God. Actually, the first thing Adam missed, baby, let's do this together. The first thing Adam missed was if his wife had eaten of the tree. And he says, ah, God said we shouldn't eat it. And she gives him and he pushes it away. Notice, man, they never discovered they were naked until he collected it and ate it. Because the earth was not given in her custody, so God will not demand was given in his custody. So what would have happened is in the evening when God is coming, he would have stood like this. And his wife would have been directly behind him. Then he would say to God, Lord, forgive us for I have sinned. God says, what's your sin? He said, I lost sight of the woman you gave me responsibility of. And she has done what you asked us not to do. But behold my righteousness and account it unto her. What did Jesus do? So Jesus didn't meet a righteous bride. She had already eaten of the tree. She was already falling. What he did was that he made sure that he, the Bible says he was like us, tempted in every way. Yet, he didn't take the tree to eat it. So that now in the presence of God, he presents his blood as a propitiation for our sin. So that in whatever state we are, we can come boldly unto the throne of grace. That we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time. So no longer is sin a reason not to enter God's presence. In fact, God's presence is where to run to when sin is present. Because we have a different husband. Our husband did not join us to eat. He stopped us from eating and became the covering for us. So every time we are coming into God's presence, the moment we say, in the name of Jesus, God takes his righteousness and bestows it upon us. And God talks to us like we have never sinned because of what is in the account of our husband. And when that happens, that's why the Bible says that you come boldly unto the throne of grace. First, that you might obtain mercy. The places where you are short. He said, but you will also find grace to help in the time of need. As long as you have come into that presence of the never changing light, you will find out that what made you fall before is exhumed by the light of his presence. Then by the time you return, you will see the same thing, you will overcome it. So how we know you have obtained the mercy of God is that you stay there long enough to also obtain the grace of God so that when you return to the place where you failed before, you now have the power to start. That's God's present technology in changing us. That's why First Corinthians 15 said, as we have born 
the image of the earthy we shall also bear the image of the heavenly that means as we are born past tense we shall bear future tense it means we are no longer there but we are on our way here and the secret of it is one and i'll use moses to explain that please sit down just sit down i use moses to explain that so when you read some Corinthians chapter 3 and the bible says as we behold us in a glass the glory of the lord we are what we are changed we are changed into the same image from one level of glory to another even as by the spirit of god in some Corinthians chapter 3 it took the time to explain to you what the mistake of moses was i'll do it briefly normally it's something i like to teach long but i'll, I'll do it briefly maybe if the lord permits that i return because i didn't know in my wildest dream by this time last week i didn't know i've been ghana now yeah but as the wind blows where it is so is a man driven by the spirit and there possibly is somebody who is here tonight who is the reason why i was driven from nigeria and if you are that reason hear this very carefully the bible showed us what the mistake of moses was because i told you i said the target the desire the expectation of fellowship the expectation to be changed into him sir is the only thing that gives you the resilience to bear the piercing light of his presence that is responsible for your change let me tell the truth none of us likes it when god shines light into our darkness there's none of us that enjoys it so it has to be for the joy set before you that you will endure the cross of exposure listen so moses we hear that moses was in the mountain for 40 days it's recorded in scripture and i don't think it took god 40 days to write 10 commandments on two tables and give to moses i don't think so if it's the god i know that kind of thing takes seconds he just points at the rock the rock cuts itself and then he hands it over to Moses. And I would have taken the time in scripture to break this for you. But listen, the, the interface between God and Moses and that mountain, first and foremost, was the fact that Moses had accurate interpretations with God. That's what the psalmist meant when he said he made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. And Paul also showed us his understanding in the ways that were made known to Moses in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So Paul gives you the accurate interpretation of what the manna was. While Israel was eating for their stomach, God was giving them the word. While Israel was drinking water, God was filling them with the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote the interpretation in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And Moses knew. And then the Bible says that they all drank of this rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. And Moses knew. So every time Moses wanted to meet God, he went up the rock. It doesn't make every rock in Ghana Christ. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear that part. It's alright to pray on the rock. Because it gives you the isolation. The quiet. Not necessarily because there's a mystery inside rock. The mystery finished with Moses. Are you following me? The Bible says that particular rock was Christ. That's why God kept them going round and round that rock. But then in the New Testament, the Bible says that the rock followed them. 
<laughs> That's what Corinthians chapter 10. He said they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. Aha. So Moses knew. So God didn't stop Moses from entering the promised land because God was wicked. The first time they asked for water, God said to Moses, strike the rock. The rock was and on the last and final day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried in the live voice, Is any man thirst? Let him come unto me and drink. That means the ordination is, if it's the Holy Spirit that is going to flow out, it has to come out of Christ. So God said to Moses, strike the rock, revealing the fact that the first release of the Holy Spirit upon the earth will be by the death of Christ. The second time he came to ask for water, God said, speak to the rock because Jesus said I will ask the father and he will send you so the second release of the Holy Spirit was supposed to come by speaking then Moses said must we always give you water then God said to him Moses you just destroyed my patterns Christ cannot die twice and because you establish that which is not according to the order of the divine, you too will not enter. So it's not as simple as Moses disobeyed God. There was a divine pattern Moses broke. God was writing the story of the New Testament church and Moses broke the story. And God said, Moses, and you knew. That's why the more you know God, the more carefully you walk. If you see a man walking carelessly, uh, it's because it's not denied. I will have shown you that your measure of mercy according to heaven reduces with the increase of your knowledge of God. So the operation of the mercy of God reduces in your life as God increases your knowledge of him. That's why the Bible says in the days of ignorance, the Lord overlooks. So because you did not know, God can. But with God, no, he's not here. No, he's here. And he's the one who can measure how much the journey has gone from here to here. Many Christians know here. They don't know here. And God does not begin to measure knowledge until what is here comes here. So I know I should live a holy life. Oh, no, I know I should live a righteous life. Holy is the wrong word there. I know I should live a righteous life. But the journey has not happened from my head to my heart. Because the experience of God has not arrived at bringing me the revelation of why a believer must live righteously. The more God entrusts that knowledge to you, the more he will be reducing the mercy that is on your account. So somebody else will go and fornicate. He still has a hundred lives. Have you played those games? Where you just kill one life, you have a hundred lives left. You, you will fornicate. You just, you kill one life. There's only one left. The next time you do, he strikes you. Pop, you're out. Because what you are playing with is divine patterns. Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you. There is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. 
You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Listen, the more you know him, the more you are likely to love him. Because you don't only know that he said, no, don't commit sin. The knowledge of God brings you the reason why he said don't do it. Now, if he has brought you to the place where you know the reason why, there's no sacrifice left. And I said to you, no, it's not no. No, it's no. Where it is written in the depths of your heart. So the story of Moses, this is what I have studied to find. That Moses ascends this mountain. Moses was man. Man. As he's ascending the mountain, the light of God keeps hitting Moses. And Moses falls down. Lord, I can't behold. God says to him, rise to your feet. And the strength enters into him. It was Ezekiel that described that. He said, I fell as one dead. Then he spake and his word entered into me and set me on my feet. Then Moses will take a step again. When he beholds God, bah, he falls again. Now what Moses is thinking is this process is too rigorous. It's too painful. But he did not know. With each step getting closer, he was looking more and more. He was looking more and more like the image of God. Moses never knew his face was shining. He was in the face of the everlasting light. The mystery of Godliness. And he had turned into what he had fellowshiped with. Then he came down. Put 2 Corinthians 2 verse 13 on the board. He came down. Then everyone shouted, Ah! You are shining! Ah! Then he takes a piece of cloth. No, 3. 3.13. 2 Corinthians 3.13. He takes a cloth. Unlike Moses. No, go back to verses 11. For if what is passing away, the glory Moses met, was glorious, what remains is more glorious. That means our present glory exceeds the glory of what was shining in the face of Moses when he came down. Next verse. Therefore, since we have such hope, the hope of entering a glory greater than Moses, we use great plainness of speech. Next verse. Unlike Moses. So what Moses did was he didn't use plainness. What did the Bible call the lack of plainness? Unlike Moses who put a read on so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold to the end. Stop. That means when Moses saw God shining God did not veil. God was waiting until Moses attained. God waited no matter how long it took until Moses attained. Until Moses and God could now talk face to face like a man speaks with his wife. So it means that the light that was the countenance of God had become the countenance of Moses, which is what Israel saw. What Moses now did Sir, and in the 21st century, that's, that's how we have hurt ministry badly, brother. 
we will tarry for years in the presence of God until we attain. Then when we come, we'll tell people to stay in services for three hours. Then they say it's too long. Then we will take a veil. We say the people can't bear it. So let's just do one hour. That's why we have great men of God who don't have great men of God rising under them. Because the disciplines in God that gave them the kind of glory that the people gathered in, they are not permitting the people to do the same disciplines. I told you, I said the attaining of that image is what gives you the resilience to bear. If that glory has not become a desirable taste for you, you will hate those of us who love you. Because it's those of us who love you that will now say to you, we are praying next tomorrow and we are praying for six hours. Then you come and you say, Pastor, who is still praying for six hours? The world has gone digital. It's like, no, no, this one does not have a digital solution. After three hours, you are still waiting for prayer point. Let me tell you, it's better for you to come for that prayer meeting, sleep, wake up, pray, sleep, wake up, pray. It's better. What you are declaring is, Lord, I want this, even though my body is not taking it. You will wake up one day and find out you are doing 12 hours. It's nothing. But the moment the people say, no, your face is shining. So Moses will have stood there. Israel will fall. Grah. They will stand up. Answer. The law of glory is that glory is not sustained on a face. Glory is sustained in between faces. What Moses didn't know is that the more he was not permitting Israel to look, the more his own glory was fading. I want to stand where you stand. Let worship rise from me. As I lean on to your heart, I'm needy. I want more. I want to stand where you stand. Say one more time. Let worship rise from me as I lean on to your heart. I'm I want more. I want to stand where the goal is to be able to stand face to face with Him. That's the goal. If it doesn't become the desire, if all you want is to collect something from him and run away, that glory will be too hard for you to go through. Not as Moses, which put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold to the end of that glory that fades. So if Moses had sustained a camp if, if I came with light from the presence of God, sir, and I lead your wife, I lead you, I lead prof, I lead his wife, I lead my wife, it, it's, it's a certainty 
that in the days when I feel weak, if I look at prophets, I will fetch his own life. So as iron sharpens iron, so does a man sharpen the countenance of his friend. In this day, it is important to God that we create an entire camp of littered faces. It is absolutely important to the Almighty God now that in this day, the light is not only shining from the man with the microphone on the pulpit. That everyone who sits in the company, because there are days when as pastors, we too, we are weak. We need to be able to behold the face of a brother. We need to behold the face of an elder and be sustained. So Moses sustaining the light alone could not keep it. The moment he veiled, he did not only stop Israel from entering an inheritance, he also caused that his own glory was faded. I want to stand where you stand. Say, let the worship, let the worship rise. Sing for Say, as I lean on, as I lean on to your heart, I need you, I need you. I
are not like Moses. If standing before the Lord, he's judging something in my life, I'll say to him, Lord, it's not sweet, but take it away. If I stand before the Lord and he says to me, you are not spending so much time with me, I will say to God, Lord, you know there are many things that are calling my attention. It's not sweet to take out six hours from my day, but Lord, have your way. When I do that, then I'm ensuring that the veil is not taken. Or the veil is not kept on my face. That's why the Bible says, now when any man turns to God, the veil is taken up. He said, and now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, that means the Holy Ghost, the one that we fellowship with, is the one giving the right to take away the veil and reveal the Father. So that we all with unveiled faces. Tonight with unveiled faces, approach the throne of God. Tonight with unveiled faces, tell him, Lord, whatever it takes, sign your light. I want to come closer. I want to walk with you. I want to be able to lean my head on your breast. I want to be able to hear the heartbeats that you carry. Oh, yeah. 